0: Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves by studying His Word in order to lead us to a personal transformational relationship with God. Here's Mark Sheldrake with the podcast series Ignite Your Passion for God. Hello, everyone. It's Mark Sheldrake here again. This is Unlocking the Truth podcast, a ministry of precept ministries in Canada. Thank you for joining us online, whether it be our website. The Precept app, SoundCloud, or iTunes. Oh my goodness, so many places that you can listen to this podcast. Exciting times ahead for Precept Ministries. We are getting ready for Christmas and the year end here at the ministry. Check our website for all that's happening through the month of December at uh, preceptministries.ca. I want to encourage you folks that uh, coming soon, In January, we are going to be launching the podcast on Philippians, How to Have Joy. Hopefully, to start the new year, you'll want to study along with the podcast, and you can do so by visiting our Precept website, of course, and you can purchase on the e-store Philippians, Precept upon Precept. We have that in New American Standard, as well as ESV, English Standard Version, or you can purchase the philippians in and out also in esv and new american standard and then finally you can purchase the new inductive study series on philippians that i may know him and that is going to be a little bit shorter the new inductive study series as the number of weeks goes it's a little shorter than what we'll be doing in the podcast we'll be doing 9 episodes on philippians Folks, before we get into this week's podcast, we've just got to pause, we've got to stop, and we've got to think about it. We need a lot more joy, don't we? We need more joy in the world. It seems like right now, in the midst of what we're going through, whether it be the pandemic or whatever is happening in our country and around the world, we just see everything is so polarizing. But we need joy as Christians. How do we live in the midst of suffering and persecution with joy? And that's what we're going to spend nine weeks looking at starting in January. What a way to kick off the new year by getting into a Bible study with others or even studying on your own along with the podcast and then sharing the podcast with others. Did you know that our podcast is heard all the way into the Middle East area, all the way over into, in and around uh, the Philippines and uh, Taiwan, etc. How cool is it that the podcast is reaching that many people across the globe? All right, let me uh, take some time here. Let's spend some time in prayer. And as we do... Uh, we want to remember all that God is teaching us about how to ignite our passion for God. Father, we do thank you for the time that you have given us to get into your word. We pray, Lord, as we walk through each and every episode to look at how we can move from being apathetic to more passionate about you. We pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts, that you would show us the truths that come from your scriptures And that we would put these things into action, Lord. That we wouldn't want to live the ho-hum life, but we would want to be on fire for you. That we would want to be people who are out in the world uh, glorifying you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, here we go, folks. We are into episode 5 of the Ignite Your Passion for God. We have looked at week 1, episode 1, we've looked at the things that really uh, put the fire out. Those are idols. Those are things that we have in our lives that we elevate above God. So anything that we have that we want to worship more than God, of course, of course, that's going to put out the fire for our love for the Lord. All right. Then we looked at in the next episode, we looked at the power of the word of God and how God's word can really ignite our passion for. For the Lord. We looked at Josiah and we looked at how the word was found in the rubble. And as the word was read, it brought conviction and change, and people uh, had peace with God uh, for many years under the leadership of Josiah. Uh, Then we looked at prayer and we looked at Jehoshaphat and his prayer I'll keep my eyes on you because we don't know what to do. And how prayer can ignite our passion for God. Uh, In conversation and speaking to God, these things can ignite our passion. Answered prayer can ignite our passion for God. And then last episode, we looked at worship. And how worship can form and shape our greater love for God. It wasn't just about music. It was about being obedient to God in all that we do. And glorifying him with all of our lives. With our heart our soul and our mind. And when we do that, and when we give all God all his worth, it fires us up when we see who God is in his character. And this week, we want to take all of those things, everything that God is doing, to form and shape our life. And we now want to take it somewhere. We want to take it out into the world. And this is really important for us because as a byproduct of our love, a byproduct of our relationship, and a byproduct of our worship of God, is then for us to go out and serve, all right? This is so important for you and I that we can ignite our passion for God through serving the Lord and specifically taking the gospel to others. Okay, here's where we're going to start. We're going to look into the scriptures, and I want to take us to John chapter 17. John chapter 17 is one of my favorite passages in the scriptures. I know, I know. If you've been listening to this a while, you're like, you say that all the time. You say all of your, all these passages are your favorite passages. Well, of course, anything within the Bible, I just love to talk about. All right, so let's look at John chapter 17. And the question that I have for us as we look through, of course, remember, we're igniting our passion for God through service. And the question I have is, what would you do If you only had a little bit of time left on this earth, how would you spend it? How would you spend that time? Would you spend it uh, just focusing on yourself? Or would you spend that time doing all you could for the glory of God? All right, so uh, we're going to walk through John chapter 17. I'm going to take you to some other passages. We're going to look at the, the Apostle Paul and his life. Uh, and how he uh, ignited his passion for the Lord as well. But I want to start with this, okay? I want to start with a short little testimony, and then we move forward through, all right? When I was serving as a pastor many years ago, uh, oh, you know, folks, I cannot believe it. You know, just this past week, the week I'm recording this, I've just passed my 14th anniversary of Precept Ministries. I can't believe that I've been serving at Precept for 14 years already. It's unbelievable. It's been life-changing. But when I was serving as a pastor uh, many, many years ago, and I've shared this before, and I think I even shared it in the beginning, is through my time as a pastor, I began to really become apathetic. And as I walked through the, um, my time of really dealing with apathy in my own life, I started to realize that my identity was not in Jesus Christ. It was what in what I was doing for the Lord. And you see, I was so focused on my identity being pastor that I wasn't really paying attention to what was happening to my relationship. And how often is it that you and I, we can get caught in focusing on the very fact that what we do is who we are. All right, So we have to understand that our service does not define who we are. It's our relationship with Jesus. But the outpouring of our relationship and love with Jesus is service. And so we want to be people who are excited about serving, but we don't want to be people that get so burned out by serving that we forget about our relationship. And we can be people who do way too much for the church oh, what about the rule? 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. This this is a problem. This is is why people get burned out. Uh, People get burned out because they're doing all the work and not everybody is participating in the work of the church. And so what happens to people who start to get burned out is they start to change their, their attitude towards serving and they start to focus on... Uh, things that, you know, are happening to them and things that are going around them, and, and they start to become apathetic. But our service to the Lord should really ignite our passion. Because when we see God working in the lives of others, it's absolutely amazing to see how God can use you to further the kingdom of God. Some of the greatest joys in my ministry and things that have Uh, propelled me to keep going regardless of what's happening in the world is when I see God use me for his work. And I just get fired up when other people uh, come along and say, this was so encouraging. I've been blessed. I've been challenged. And this is what I'm doing with my life now because I've been a part of the Bible study that you have led. It's not me. It is not me who's doing the work. It's the Holy Spirit doing the work in the life of the individual when I help lead them through the text. But God shows them where they need to have uh, something change in their life. John chapter 17 picks up, and this is really in the what they call the upper room discourse. This is the, the time when Jesus is about to depart uh, because he's going to be killed on the cross. All right, so up until uh, John chapter 17... Uh, Jesus has been talking about this time frame of when uh, he was going to be glorified or he was going to be crucified and then um, given up into heaven or ascend into heaven. All right, so he would say the time is coming, the time is coming, the time is coming uh, when this will happen. And then John chapter 17, it changes because now we're at the actual Time. This is the last prayer that Jesus is going to have with the Father before he goes to heaven. John chapter 17 says, uh, Jesus spoke these things, and in lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come, glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. This is it. The time has now come. The hour is coming, the hour is coming, the hour is coming. No, no, no. The hour is here. And so the hour is here in which Jesus is about to be arrested in the garden. And then he will be taken and put on trial. Then he will be crucified, buried, resurrect. And then he will ascend into heaven. The hour has come, even as you gave me authority over all flesh to all whom you have given him, that he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus whom you have sent. All right, this is critical to where we're heading in this week's episode. Uh, Chapter 17, verse 3, we want to underline verse 3. Now, if you're driving, don't underline, all right? But you want to pay attention because Jesus is about to give us a definition of what eternal life is. And he tells us eternal life is that they, all right, the people, the flesh that Jesus has been given authority over, that they would know God and that God sent him, all right? This is eternal life, that they would know God the Father and that God sent Jesus, and this result, that when people know this, they will have eternal life, all right? Now, look at verse 4, I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. It's amazing that he is saying this in his prayer to the Father, knowing that All the work that you sent me to earth to do, I have accomplished. And yet, there is still the work of the cross to occur. But listen to what he says about the disciples that he had authority over for three years. Uh, Verse 5. Now, Father, glorify me together with you yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world. Verse 5 says... Jesus is saying, take me back and bring me back to heaven to be at, your right side, at the right hand of the Father. Verse 6, I manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. Look what he says in verse 8, for the words which you gave me I have given to them, they received them, truly understood that I came forth from you, and they believed that you sent me. Do you see what just happened there? Jesus is praying to the Father, and he's saying, The people, these 12 men that you gave me, they fully understand all that you have given me authority. That you've given me authority, that you've given me authority over all flesh, and that you have given me the ability to give eternal life. Okay, do you see what's happening here in these, in these verses? Verse 6, I manifested your name to the men, to the disciples. I showed the men who you were, God. And then he says uh, that they were yours. He knows the disciples that they were yours, and you gave them to me, so that Jesus had authority over these men, and you kept them uh, in your word, and they kept in the word. It says, now they have come to know everything that you have given me is from you. So Jesus has been teaching them all along about God and Jesus and their authority and their role, right? We've seen that through the Gospels. Now he says, the words which you gave me, I have given to them. Okay, God's word was given to them, the words, the promise. And, he re- and they received them. And now listen to what he says. He says, they truly understood. The disciples understood this key point, that Jesus came from the Father, and they believed that you sent me. Now, if you were to link verse 8 and verse 3 you would see between the two that Jesus, in verse 3, defined eternal life. And he said eternal life is that these people, all flesh, that they would know that I was given by God, Jesus was given by God, and that he was sent to the earth. And when they know this, that is eternal life. And so Jesus is saying in verse 8, that these disciples that truly understood who God was, what God did, who Jesus was, and who sent him, have eternal life. This is, this is before the cross. That these, these men truly understood Jesus. You see the work that was accomplished? Part of the work that was accomplished was having these people know who Jesus was, who sent Jesus, and for what purpose. To provide eternal life, right? To be the sacrifice on the cross. He says in verse 9, he says, I ask on their behalf, I do not ask on behalf of the world, um, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all things are mine, and yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. He says, I'm no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world, and I have come to know you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me, and I guard them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the scriptures would be filled. All right, so that's pointing to Judas, and the fact that Judas was uh, set before as the one who would turn on Jesus uh, when he was um, turning on him for money. All right, so this is the only one that turned on him. Why? Because the scriptures promised that this would happen. All right, so Jesus is praying for his disciples and he's praying for them uh, for the fact that he's getting ready to leave this earth and he's showing them that they truly know that jesus was sent by the father which is defined as eternal life this is what they know they truly understand and they believe and now look what he says in verse 13 he says but i come to you and these things i speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves i've given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Do you see the difference? All right, so Jesus isn't saying that these disciples are people of the world anymore. No, no, they're not a part of the world. They are ones who truly believe that Jesus was sent by God for this purpose. They have eternal life. Their home is no longer this world. They're no longer in the world, just as Jesus is no longer in the world. True believers, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 your citizenship is in heaven, all right? You're now aliens and sojourners on this land because this is not your home. All right, so this is what Jesus is praying to God in the garden, that these, these disciples truly believe, therefore they have eternal life, except for the son of perdition, who, of course, turned on Jesus for money. All right, so now look at verse 14. He says, I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. This is huge. This is a huge point that needs to be made here. The disciples were not, Jesus was not asking God to take them out of the world when Jesus left the world, but they were to remain in the world, but because Jesus was no longer going to be with them, he's asking that God would protect them from the evil one when Jesus leaves this earth, when he ascends into heaven. All right, protect them from the evil one. He's no longer going to be with them. Why? Because he's not of this world. He is the Son of God, and he is to be positioned at the right hand of the Father. That's his place for us. All right, so now... Uh, look what he says in verse 17. Sanctify them in the truth because your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. All right, we know that Jesus, in his time when he was walking with the disciples for three years, he did send the disciples into the world. He sent them into the world to, with the authority to cast out demons, to heal people, and what? To preach the gospel, to preach the message that the kingdom of God was at hand, that Jesus was the Messiah. And so we have in the gospels, we have accounts where the disciples came back and reported to Jesus the work that they did when they were sent out into the world. And there was one demon they couldn't cast out because uh, this demon uh, needed special prayer to be to have uh, that demon cast out and they didn't have the faith apparently this is what we have in the recollections of the gospels okay so but more importantly jesus is about to go to the cross he's about to die for the sins of the world he's about to be buried for three days then resurrected and after that resurrection he would walk the earth for 40 days and then he would ascend into heaven these disciples were to remain in the world they had a purpose that they needed to accomplish in this world and we will look at that in just a few minutes but they are to stay in the world and be protected by God the Father now look at what he says Uh, he says sanctify them in truth because your word is truth you sent me into the world I sent them into the world for their sakes I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth all right so uh verse 20 i do not ask on behalf of those alone but for those who believe in me through their word what what what's happening here all right so the way that john chapter 17 segments out all right jesus prays for himself all right so jesus prays for himself in verses 1 to 5 All right, and then 6 to verse 19, Jesus prays for his disciples, those 12 disciples who walk the earth. And then in verse 20, look what it says. He's not only asking that the people be sanctified in truth, that they be protected from the evil one, the disciples, but also those who would come to know that God sent Jesus to this earth. And have kept the word. Those who will come through the ministry of the disciples, Jesus is praying for them. In verses 20 to 24, we can segment that out as Jesus prays for us. Those who would come to the saving grace of the gospel through the work of the apostles. We're being prayed for in the garden. How cool is that? I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Oh my goodness, we need to pause here for a minute and think about what's happening in verse 21. What is Jesus praying for? Jesus is praying for unity of the church and of the body. Why? For what purpose? He wants unity between believers so that the world will know that God sent Jesus. Cross-reference, John chapter 17, verse 3. Why is it so important that the world knows that God sent Jesus? Because what's at stake? Eternal life. Huh. Right? Hmm. Do we look like a unified world right now? Do we look like a unified body in Christ? We've got people within the body of Christ battling over vaccination status and over COVID protocols and things like that that are totally wreaking havoc on the testimony of the church. Uh, these things and these these ununifying things, you know what they create in the life of believers? Apathy. I don't want to take that battle on anymore. I don't want to do that. I want to just tolerate and put up with instead of continuing on in the action because that's just a difficult thing to do. Why do I want to be a part of What does the world look at? Why would I want to be a part of something like that when they're not even unified in their own purposes? Jesus wants unity because what's at stake? Life and death. All right, the glory, verse uh, 22, the glory which you have given to them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may be perfected in in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Do you hear it? Do you hear how important the unity is within the body of Christ for the purposes of getting the gospel out and transforming people? Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see the glory which you have given me for you loved me before the foundation of the world. What else does Jesus want? He wants unity between believers for the purposes of eternal life so that the world will know that Jesus was sent by God. But Jesus also prays that we will again be with him one day. That we will spend eternity in heaven. I mean, this, I'll just, this is why I love this, because I'm being prayed for in John chapter 17 you, believer, are being prayed for in John chapter 17. But here's the thing. It took the obedience of those before us to bring the gospel to us with the Holy Spirit drawing us to the gospel, to having open and attentive ears, and then believing the truth of the gospel, repenting of our sins, making the Lord ruler of our lives, That we have the privilege to be called a child of God. But you see, it takes someone to take that baton and pass it to another. This is why serving is so vital, and this is how serving can ignite our passion and our love for God. Because when we take the gospel, which all of the power is in the gospel, When we take that message to others and we share it with others and we see others transformed by the truth of the gospel, this fires us up. This is how we can ignite our passion. But you see, the other three really are the foundation. Well, you really can't share the gospel unless you know the word of God and you love the word of God and you believe the word of God and you've seen the word of God in action. Okay, that's vital. You need to know what the gospel is in order to share the gospel. Then you need to fully understand that all of this is done by the power of prayer. It's understanding that you cannot do this on your own. It's not about your presentation. It's not about your words. It's about the work that is done through the power of God. Through the work of the Holy Spirit. No man comes to God unless God draws him. That's in the gospel of John chapter 6. And so what we have to do and understand is that when we are in the Word of God, when we have the weapon in our hand, that when we use the Word of God, it's the Word of God that transforms us. If we don't have a love for the Word of God, we're not going to be great evangelists. When we love the Word of God and we have seen it transform us in our own lives, we're going to be fantastic evangelists because passionate people talk about the things they're most passionate about. If you were to get me in the corner, you could, you could probably find two things that I could talk to you about all day long. One is the Word of God. Two is the Toronto Maple Leafs. I have greater hope in the Word of God than I do in the Toronto Maple Leafs ever winning the Stanley Cup. Guaranteed. So I could talk about the Word of God way more. I love the Word of God. I want to share the Word of God with whoever will have an ear to listen to it. I talk about it morning, noon, and night. I love the stories in it. I love how God works in it. And I love how God has worked in my own life through my own study with inductive Bible study through Precept to transform my life. Okay? It's, it's absolutely amazing. My, my passion and desire for sharing Jesus has been ignited first by my love of God. Second, seeing God work through the power of prayer. And my response— to God showing me his truth and hearing his voice in the word of God by giving time to spend time in conversation with him in prayer. I may not hear from him in prayer. I hear from him more through through the verses of scripture. But my response to all of that is worship. And then out of all that God is doing in my life, I cannot help but go out and share Jesus Christ with whoever will listen. But here's the thing. I've traveled across this country and I've taught workshops on evangelism and, and witnessing and sharing the truth of the gospel. And the majority of the time when I bring these messages and these, these workshops out, I ask people, I say, raise your hand if you're afraid to share the gospel with others. And I get a lot of people who raise their hands. What are they, what are they concerned about? They're concerned about things... Like, well, what do I say? What if I'm rejected? What if people don't like the message that I have to say? What if relationships are broken because I shared the truth of the gospel with them and they didn't like it? What about my stance on the word of God? And if I make my views too well known, will I get canceled? I don't want to get canceled. We have all these different fears that come about us when, when it comes to serving, and these fears overcome, and they start to dampen down our passion and our love and our desire for serving. You see, Jesus, what he, what he said here was he, was he said to the God, protect the disciples, protect them from the evil one, that I'm not going to be with them anymore, but they are here on earth. They're staying here on earth. Why? Because not one of those disciples, and you and I, we are not ready to stand before God and tell them, Father, I have accomplished all of the work that you have given to me. You see, that's what Jesus has done. As he's heading to the cross, as he's heading to Golgotha, as he's getting ready to be pierced for our sins, he says to the Father, all the work that I have been given to do on this earth, I have completed. Now glorify me. Bring me back home to be with you. You and I can't say that yet. We're not in that position to know that we have accomplished all the work that we have. When we get into the Philippians podcast, we're going to see as we look at Philippians, Paul was torn to live as Christ, to die as gain. I, I, my preference is to be with you, God, but it is better for the church of the Philippians for me to stay and continue to help them to grow and mature in Christ, serving the Lord. I get a great passion out of serving the Lord. Uh, let's take a look at Acts chapter, Acts chapter 1. After uh, Jesus, after he is crucified, he's raised from the dead, he then uh, is with the disciples, and he tells these disciples what they are to do. Uh, before um, his ascension. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 1, the first account I composed, Theophilus, all about Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day when he was taken up to heaven, he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these also he presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs. A period, appearing to them over a period of four, forty days, and speaking of things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he had said you had heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will baptize with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it At this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel. He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest part of the earth. After he said these things, he was lifted up and they were looking on and a cloud received them out of Received him out of the sight, and when they were gazing into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus whom you've taken from you into heaven will come just in the same way as you watched him go into heaven. Uh, Acts chapter 2 tells us about how the Holy Spirit came upon these apostles and gave them the power that jesus was talking about but you see the job that they were given they were to be the witnesses in all of judea even to the remotest parts of the earth they were to take what they had seen what had they seen what had they seen prior they saw jesus in the garden arrested they saw jesus scourged and beaten they saw jesus put on the cross Nails in his hands, nails in his feet, and a crown of thorns, and a sign over his head King of Kings, King of the Jews. They saw Jesus take his last breath. They felt the earthquake. They saw everything go dark when Jesus died. They saw Jesus' body taken down, prepared, and put into a tomb. And when they returned to the tomb three days later, the tomb was empty. And then Jesus appeared to them in the upper room. They saw all of this. They were witnesses to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells them that Jesus appeared to all of the apostles. He also appeared to Paul and he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time. This is the historical account of Jesus Christ being buried, being dying, burying, and resurrected. They saw this, and they were to take that message out to the entire world. With what purpose? The purpose that I have written in the very front of my Bible. The Bible in my Bible, I have my mission is to populate heaven and plunder hell. I have said this on multiple podcasts. I know that it is recorded and ready and coming in the Philippians podcast. But this is the sole purpose that I have on this earth, is to populate heaven and plunder hell. It is to put people in the word of God, because it's the word of God that has the power to transform. It is the gospel message It is the actions that were taken over 2,000 years ago with Jesus when the nails were put in his feet and put in his hands and the crown of thorns went on his head when he gave the last breath and he died, and then he was buried, and then he rose again and appeared. That is the power at which brings people to believe in Jesus and repent of their sins. That action that was taken on the cross was for the purpose of a sacrifice so that we no longer would face the wrath of God if we repented and we believed. This entire message of Jesus Christ is a matter of life and death, And we, like the apostles, have been called to take this message to all those who are willing to hear. And when we share this message, and when we see God working in the lives of those we give this message to, this ignites us, this fires us up for wanting to do it more. When we see one life change, we want to see another life change. And when we see another life change, we want to keep going, and we want to see hundreds and hundreds of lives change. Then we want to see our country change. Then we want to see our world change. And we want to see people come back to Jesus. Why? Because he's the only hope. He's the only way that we can have eternal life. This is what Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. That the world would know That you, Father, sent me, which is eternal life. This is what God has called us to do. We can ignite our passion by stepping out and sharing the gospel. But listen, I know. I know that some of you listening right now, you're like, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I don't have the ability to, to just grab a megaphone and stand on the corner and preach the gospel. I am not asking you to stand on the corner and preach the gospel through a megaphone. That's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking you to think about the people in your own family and in your own life, in your own circle, in your workplace. Maybe there's people even in your church that need to hear the gospel. I'm asking you to think about keeping the word of God on your lips all the time and, and showing the word of God through all of your actions that, that your life is different from those of the world, that your testimony is not defined by who you are and what you do, but your testimony is defined by what Jesus has done in your life. That it is seen all over the place. That you're not the, purpose, the person that goes in and serves in church on Sunday and then goes home and complains to your kids all afternoon. That's not a good testimony. I have seen firsthand how that kind of testimony can draw people away from the church instead of bringing people to the church. So I want to take you for just a few minutes and I want to look at the Apostle Paul. And I want you to think about Paul because, man, isn't Paul great? Do you ever sit and read the letters that Paul wrote and think to yourself, there's like no way I could ever live up to the Apostle Paul. Like He wasn't perfect. We know that. We're not perfect. Sometimes when you read his letters, it seems like he's pretty close. He's not. He's very fleshly like you and I. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we get a good idea of the real Apostle Paul. Paul shares with us what it was like to go to the church in Corinth to bring the gospel. And I want us to look at this for a few minutes because maybe the Apostle Paul has the same feelings that you do, the same worries and the same concerns, the same fears. I don't know about you, but there are days when I'm like, I know that God is opening the door to share the testimony and I'm freaking out. I'm I'm like, man, I got to figure out how to how to say this in a way that this person will understand their desperate need for Jesus. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. When I came to you, brethren, I did not come to you with superiority of speech or of wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of God. I always look at this passage and I think to myself, well, he didn't have the greatest presentation. He didn't have a PowerPoint. Wouldn't that be be great if Paul had a PowerPoint? Every time he went into the synagogue, he set up his projector. Of course, there's no projectors back then. I know that, folks. But he didn't have superiority of speech. He didn't come with that, and yet, or of wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of God. You know, you know, Paul, he excelled in the study of the Jewish, the Jewish way. He tells us that he was excelling beyond many. He wanted to be the best of the best in the Jewish world but here he says i didn't come to you with superiority of speech i didn't have all of this put together i didn't have the powerpoint i didn't have the notebook i didn't come with great wisdom proclaiming the testimony of god he said i determined to know nothing among you except jesus christ and him crucified It's just a thought there that is there something in that when we take the gospel to people, we don't want to come and bring the gospel in a way that's arrogant. That we know all, that we have it all put together, that we are the perfect package, that people truly see us who we are and we're transparent. You know, we too still battle the flesh. I didn't come with superior speech or of wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of God. I determined to know nothing Except Jesus Christ and him crucified. What did he go with? He went with the gospel message. That's what I brought to you. Was the message that Jesus, he was crucified, he was buried, he died, he resurrected, and he appeared to many. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which he explains to us what the gospel is. Look what he says in verse 3. I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. My message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of the power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. <laughs> uh, every time I read this, I've used these verses in previous podcasts. I, I, I like to right in the margin of my Bible, and I wrote here, Paul's knees were knocking. Weakness, fear, and trembling. Paul was one who liked to take the gospel to where it never had been preached before. I can only imagine that when he brought the gospel to a new place, he was already preparing himself to be beaten for it or arrested and put in prison. I mean, it wasn't the first time that had happened for him in his, in his ministry. Scourged, beaten, shipwrecked, hungry, dangers, all of these things. So, of course, do you see it? Fear. Fear that he was coming. But but look what he tells us. There's a but in verse 4. I came in demonstration of the spirit and of power. What Paul's telling us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5, is... What we saw happen in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles, this this is the fuel that drives the engine. And Paul wasn't relying on his own abilities to present the gospel in the way that it needed to be presented in order for people to be saved, but his complete reliance was on the Holy Spirit, who indwells within him to give him the right words to give him the things that he needed to say so that the Holy Spirit, not Paul, the Holy Spirit could do the work of transformation in the life of this individual or individuals he was sharing the gospel with. This should give us great relief as people who want to share the gospel with others because it's not about us. We just need to be obedient And look for the opportunities to share the gospel and be willing to do so in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it is not our words and our presentation that transforms, it is the gospel. It is what God did with his son Jesus on the cross. Look at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 and 17 Verse 15 says, For my part, I'm eager to preach the gospel. I just want to preach it, That's what Paul's saying. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it, for the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Okay, now in verse 17, it's not my presentation. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And it is written, But the righteous man shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. All of the power, all of the work is in the gospel. My job is just to be obedient and share what I have witnessed. Just like the apostles. Well, wait a minute, Mark. I, I never saw Jesus Christ die on the cross. I never saw him be resurrected. I never saw him be visible to others. Look at 1 Thessalonians. In the first chapter of 1 Thessalonians, this is after the ascension of Jesus. Paul goes to Thessalonica, and as, when he's in Thessalonica, he is preaching the gospel. He, he's ministering in the synagogue, and he's explaining the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to these people. Acts tells us that some of the people who heard the gospel were persuaded and began to follow after Paul. Listen to what happens to this church. Paul says, We thank God in verse 2, Always uh, for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith, your labor of love, your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the presence of God and Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you, for our gospel did not come in word only, but it came in power and the Holy Spirit with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you. For your sake, verse 6. This is it, folks. This is it. Well, I wasn't there when God went to see this. How can I share what I witnessed? Look what it says in verse 6. You, church, became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in tri- much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. You then became examples to all believers. The word of the Lord sounded forth from you, in every place your faith went forward, so that we have no need to say anything to you. This is what happens. This is passionate people are talking about passionate things. Paul took the gospel to the church at Thessalonica. He didn't just take it in word only. He was an example. And as he was an example, when, when the gospel went forward and the power of the Holy Spirit was at work bringing conviction in the lives of these people. And they repented and gave their lives over to Jesus. They became imitators first of Paul. And through imitating Paul, they also were imitating Jesus. Because Paul was imitating Jesus. Paul repeats all through his letters, imitate me as I imitate Christ. This church saw Jesus in the lives of of Paul, Sylvanus, and Timothy. They lived out the truth of the gospel, and they brought transformation. And this is what fired Paul up. This is what propelled Paul to do more ministry, was the very fact that he was seeing lives completely transformed by the gospel, that he would get on a ship and go to another place. Why? Because he was so fired up that God was using him To transform the world, this is how you and I can ignite our passion for God, just the same way that the Apostle Paul did. We just need to be obedient. Like the day that Jesus met Paul on the road to Damascus, why are you persecuting me? And then he became one of the greatest witnesses in Scripture to the truth of the gospel. You and I can do that too. But we can't do it if we're apathetic to sharing the word. We've got to love the word. We've got to spend time in prayer with God. Our response to God at work is worship. And then we take what God is doing in our lives and we share it with others. We need to go out. We need to get fired up. We need to see God working through us, and that will continue to propel our love for him. The more we see God working in us, the more we get into the word, the more time we spend in prayer, the more time we worship. It's like a cycle that continues to work through and through and through in our relationship with Jesus. Listen to what the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, and this is where we're going to end off. 1 Peter chapter 2, he's talking about the cornerstone who's Jesus Christ. We are the living stones. We are the... Uh, chosen race. We are the royal priesthood. We are the holy people, a holy nation. And then he tells us in verse 9, there's a so that, a term of conclusion. We are these people, this chosen race, this royal priesthood, this holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see what you're supposed to do? Proclaim. What are you to proclaim? You're to proclaim the excellencies of Him who brought you from darkness into light. That's the work of the gospel. You were once a child of wrath, but now you are a child of God because of the work of Jesus on the cross, because of your repenting and believing. This is your story, this is your testimony. That God moved you from wrath and brought you into light. And what are you to do? You're to proclaim what Jesus Christ did in your life. Are you looking for the best presentation? Are you looking for what you're going to say, what you're going to do? The simple truth of it is you want to ignite your passion for God. You got to share the gospel and you can see God at work through the gospel, but you need to share your testimony with others. That's it. How did God move you from darkness to light? How did God transform your life? How did you come to the point of repenting and believing in Jesus? Where were you in your life when you realized the depth of your sin and you realized that the only way out of that depth of sin was to follow after the lamb who was sacrificed on the cross? It can change our entire presentation when we when we focus on what god has done in our lives and we remember the key components of the gospel found in 1st corinthians chapter 15 don't worry about your words like paul did go in the power of the spirit let the holy spirit do the work through you when you share the truth of what god has done in your life and when you talk about those things you'll get fired up you'll get excited So like Jesus left the authority for the disciples and the apostles to go and to witness and to share what they had to the remotest ends of the earth, this is what Jesus has called us to do, make disciples. We're called to populate heaven and plunder hell until the return of Jesus Christ. So as we move into Christmas, think about the conversations that are had around the dinner table. Are there opportunities for you to share Jesus with others? Not only in word, but also in action. Can you make an impact in the lives of those around you? And make note of what God is doing in your life as you are out there sharing the love of Jesus with others. I promise you this, that when you see God working in and through you, that fire is going to be stoked. Father, we do thank you for the time that you have given us in the word today. We pray that as we we go out and we share these truths, that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, give us the words that we need. Help us to remember the truths of what you have done in our lives. Father, you would ignite a love for serving you in this way, that we would glorify you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast by Preset Ministries Canada. Be sure to visit our website, presetministries.ca to find a Bible study class or a workshop that will give you the tools to know God deeply and live differently.